John chapter 16, verse 32 and 33. Thank you, Brother Joey, for the songs that you chose tonight. I pray that we would keep them in mind for what I'm going to talk to you about a little while here uh, for the closing moments of this service. John chapter 16, verse 32 reads, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Verse 33, these things, what things? Everything that he's been saying prior to this verse. So go back one chapter, two chapters, three chapters and listen to what the Lord has been saying to them. And he said, these things I have spoken unto you. That in me, everybody say in me, in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. I love that verse. I like what it says to me and I hope that I can convey that to you tonight for a little while. I want to talk to you about God's remedy for pressing times. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Does anybody here tonight know where normal has gone? Does anybody worry about where it might have gone? Or am I the only one that sits around and thinks, what's wrong with this picture? Everything in our life that we at one time or other considered normal has been unraveled and the underpinnings have been taken away and there is no such thing as normal anymore. I have read on many occasions where the, the, the sociologists and the trend makers of our time are trying to condition us to the new world and they do it by saying that this is the new normal. This is the new normal. But what was normal to us at one time has vanished. And I hate to tell you tonight, folks, but it will never come back. Not in this life. Normal as we have known will never be seen again in this world. Certainly we live in troubling times. And I, I am aware, Brother Landon mentioned earlier that we live in evil days. And I concur with that. But I, I would be untruthful tonight if I stood here and told you that that doesn't bother me because it does bother me. It is disturbing to me that something is happening in our world that is taking away from us the things that were normal and routine and things that we grew up with uh, are being displaced at an alarming rate. 
It is amazing that uh, we are seeing an unraveling of the social fiber of our nation through media and through the means of media. And uh, it seemed like everywhere you turn there is an agenda of the far left, an extreme liberal slant on life and they are trying their best to shove that down our throat and they are doing it on a daily basis and because of that, everything that we grew up realizing and understanding was normal does not exist anymore. And so we are living in disturbing times. What really disturbs me is that we are living in a day of the weakening of faith. We are living according to the pollsters. If you listen to what they say and they claim to have the pulse of our nation, they are telling us alarmingly that fewer people are going to church now than have gone in many, many years As a matter of fact, for the first time in a long time, more people that said they believe in God are not going to church than those who are going to church that believe in God. And some people would say that we are no longer a Christian nation, and I would almost concur with them that we are becoming uh, something other than that. We are losing our Christian identity because of this unraveling and because of this weakening of faith. And there are many who feel that it is exceedingly difficult for a person to live by godly principles. And it is exceedingly difficult for the church today to exist. It is not easy to be called a Christian more then that it is not easy to hold Christian ideas of love and of brotherly kindness and patience and understanding and all of that because we see everywhere around us the unpromising qualities of humanity and the nature of man being displayed in horrific ways. And it seems like that our world is bankrupt. And morally and spiritually, we are destitute tonight. And there is a collapse in our world, not only in our nation, but in the world of confidence that we know where we're going and we know what we're doing. There is a collapse of confidence in worldly affairs that frowns and looks down upon our faith. And there are many, many questions that are being raised in the day in which we live. It seems that there are fewer people interested in church today than ever before. These days, somebody said, are bad for Christianity. But let me stop and say to you tonight that Jesus was not ignorant of 2013 when he lived and spoke here in his earthly journey. He was much aware of our times and he was much aware of this day. And it was because of his foresight. It was because he saw what was coming down the road. Many of the things that he spoke 
to his disciples and even to us. And in our text, the Lord lets me know that he understands the world in which I am now living. And I understand that because he said to these disciples, in this world, everybody say this world. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Tribulation. The word comes from the Greek that means pressing or pressure. You're going to live in pressing and pressure-filled times. It speaks of anything that burdens the spirit. And it speaks of anything that crowds life. As a matter of fact, the root word from which this word comes literally means to crowd or to hedge in. And so Jesus said to his disciples and even to us tonight that in this world you are going to experience pressure. You're going to feel a burden in, in your spirit. You're going to feel a crowding of your life. As a matter of fact, you're going to feel like you are being pushed to the edge. And in the shadow of such news, he speaks some of the most reassuring and powerful words that he spoke to his disciples at any time. And with the backdrop of all that we could imagine, everything that I've talked to you about, the loss of normal, the the loss of spiritual identity and the crisis of character that is in our world and the loosening of morals, it was with the backdrop of that news that Jesus gave one of the greatest challenges to his disciples and even to us tonight When he spoke these words and said, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he spoke of some of the most important words that you and I could embrace tonight. And he speaks them to us. And he reminds us tonight that faith, has made its greatest advances against the fiercest odds. Hallelujah. The world has been against it, and yet all that the world has tried to do to stop it has not been able to stop the work of faith in the world. And you and I need to wake up and realize that tonight. It was made Our faith has made its greatest advances and it has won its greatest victories amid the same kind of surroundings that we are in right now. And Jesus said to these men, far from feeling strange and insecure in these troubled times, you should be empowered You should be encouraged because I want to remind you that this thing started at a cross. It started at a cross and it's made, listen to me, it made its headway in a pagan world that was far worse than our world is right now and it made its headway amid the collapsed empire of the Romans 
and in a weakened civilization and amid not only that, but a dead religious orthodoxy, the church was birthed and flourished and advanced until at one point it is said that the world had been converted to Christianity. Why? Because faith knows how to live in tough times and God made us for such times as this that we are now living in. In this time where normal has been lost, God made us for this kind of hour. God made us for this kind of setting. So nothing that you and I are facing today, none of the reports that we read, none of the prognosticators surmise or whatever they've uh, uh, they've imagined is coming, Nothing that we are facing has caught the Lord off guard or by surprise. So when he said to those men and he says to us in our hour, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Oh yeah, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to feel pressure, but I have a remedy for times where pressure is great. I have a remedy for times when you are pressed. I have a, I have a remedy for time when you feel crowded. I have a remedy for time when you feel burdened in your spirit. God said, I, I've got a remedy for such time. When I read this verse of scripture, I refuse a weak, anemic, fragile, delicate, Faint, scrawny, pathetic, tired faith. I just refuse that. When I read this scripture, I don't care if it's dead as a doornail on Wednesday night and I can't get an amen out of anybody. I refuse to believe that in such an hour that God would abandon me and leave me here by myself. I've come to tell you tonight that whether you know it or not, God is in this place right now. And God is in this wicked world that we're living in right now. And God knows the answer to the problem that we're facing. And not only does He know, but He has a remedy for that. Hallelujah. Facing such times as we are facing, the Lord said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Confusion calls for confidence. Amen. I said confusion calls for confidence. Disturbances call for direction. And sorrow calls for singing. Because there is an answer and there is a remedy. Jesus said that we were made for these times. God's power and God's spirit was given for such times as this. Amen. God's power and God's provisions were made for such times that you're living in. The devil that you're fighting in your family. The devil that you're fighting on your job. The spirit of wickedness that rises up in your community. God gave us power and strength to meet the times in which we live And his strength is made perfect in weakness. And this is where the church has seen its best days in the most wicked and vile environments. 
So you know what that tells me, church? We ought to get ready for revival. I said we ought to get ready for revival. We ought to get ready for a great, the greatest move of God we've ever seen because we're living in the most wicked and vile time that we've ever lived in and God made us for these times. God made us for this hour. He said in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Here's how you face these times. You know how you face These wicked times, number one, you and I need a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. I said that you and I need a fresh vision of Jesus Christ, of who He is, of what He has done. Just look at your own life tonight and understand if it had not been for the Lord on my side. I would have already been swallowed up. I would already be a statistic. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, the devil would have put me in his eternal hell already. But because God has been on my side, I'm still here tonight. Because of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of the Lord, I'm here It wasn't my possessions. It wasn't my money. It wasn't my talent. It wasn't my position. It was not that at all. It was Jesus all alone. Just Jesus. Jesus first and Jesus last. Jesus in the morning and Jesus at night. Jesus when you walk by the roadside. And Jesus when you lay down on your pillow at night. And folks, if we've ever needed Him, we need Him now. And we need a fresh baptism of a vision of who He is and what He has done, Jesus and Him alone. No one else. I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. He's still the answer for the problems our world is facing. I don't care what the prognosticators say. I don't care what the psychologists and the sociologists say. Jesus is still the answer for the world's problem. And unless we as the church wake up and realize that, we're going to miss our greatest opportunity. Because He still is the answer, folks. He still is the answer. You see, Isaiah's prophecy of Him is more needed now than ever. Isaiah 35 and 4 said, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with the recompense, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as the heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for those the wayfaring men though fools 
shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon, and it shall not be found there. But the redeemed, but the redeemed shall walk there, but the redeemed, but the purchased, but the bought shall be there. They shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison. Do you hear what I'm saying to you tonight? This is the message of Jesus Christ to our world. Jesus is still the answer, folks. I said he's still the answer. Brother Buddy, you inspired me last night. I've thought about that all this day. I want to steal a little of his thunder, but it's your cousin. Cousin in Baton Rouge. I don't even remember how, but there was a, a, a renowned psychologist, counselor in Arkansas that evidently deals with corporate issues and people that are having traumatic issues in their life. And there was this one woman that she could not help and somehow made connection with his cousin in Baton Rouge. And so they sent her down there to meet with this man. And you know what he did? He taught her a Bible study. God forbid. He taught her a Bible study. He taught her search for truth. He taught her about Jesus' name, baptism. He told her about speaking in tongues as evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. And you know what happened? That woman received the Holy Ghost. And they baptized her in Jesus' name. She went back to her psychologist the next week or a, a, a few days later. And she said, ma'am, I am feeling better than I've felt since I was a teenager. She said, I don't know a whole lot about it. All I know is what it has done in my life. And the peace and the joy that I feel right now. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is still the answer to the world's problems. The psychologists don't have an answer. But Jesus is still, he's still the answer. Hallelujah. You say, oh, brother, that was just one. Well, now, that was just one. However, that one so impressed her counselor that the counselor said, well, you know what? I have 14 others that I'm working with right now that I've not been able to help. And so she sends all 14 down to Baton Rouge, all 14 down from different parts of the state and out of state. And you know what he did? He taught them a Bible study. You know what he did? He talked about Jesus' name, baptism, God forbid. 
We don't need to be exclusive now. We need to make sure. He told them about only one way that you can find in Scripture that anybody has ever been baptized, and that is in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught that to them, and then he taught them about receiving the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. And after about four hours of Bible study, some of us can't stand 30 minutes of Sunday school, But after three hours of Bible study, 12 of those 14 had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptized them in Jesus' name. And they came back in another session later and the other two received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you tonight, what we need is a revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to wake up and realize He can still heal. He can still save. He can still redeem the lost from every part of the world we live in. Hallelujah. We need to quit willy-nillying around and acting like we've got to be apologetic. You don't need to apologize for Jesus. Look at what the world's doing. They don't have an answer. Why not tell them about Jesus? That there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's Bible. That's not Mark Hughes. That's not a Pentecostal doctrine. That's in the book of Acts chapter 4. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And all that he did was just preach Jesus. James, I I thought about after I listened to Brother Buddy, I thought about, I think it was last year, early last year in Memphis, Tennessee, after a singles conference, a bunch of those singles went to Cracker Barrel after service. It was closed for normal business They were there after hours. While they're in Cracker Barrel and the waiters and waitresses are waiting on them, the Holy Ghost fell in Cracker Barrel. How many people received the Holy Ghost? Eight workers from Cracker Barrel received the Holy Ghost in Cracker Barrel. They spoke in other tongues in Cracker Barrel. I want to tell you something. Nobody, Obama can't stop it and neither can anybody in Russia stop it. When God begins to pour out His Spirit, I don't care what your ideologies are, you cannot stop a sovereign move of God. And that's what we need in this hour. We need to wake up and realize that Jesus Christ is still the answer. He's the one that saved us and He will save anybody else who believes and calls on Him. Hallelujah. I wonder what would happen if all of us here tonight got a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ and we realize that He is the answer to our world and we quit being ashamed and we quit being mealy-mouthed and we just said, you know what you need? You need the Holy Ghost. You know what you need? You need to be baptized. You need your sins washed away. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us tonight to get a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. Because the answer is very simple. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But in me, you're going to have peace. In me, you're going to have courage. Now, where do you want to live? In this world or in Him? 
I drove into my neighborhood a little while ago and I was so grieved in my spirit. I thought, God, here I am living here in this community and these people around here don't even seem to be conscious that you're here. But somewhere in this community, there is somebody that's hungry for you. And I am asking you to lead me to that person that's hungry. Because you're still the answer to their problems. And you're the only remedy that's going to get them out of the dilemma. You're the only thing that's going to put their marriage back together. You're the only thing that's going to keep them from suicide. Lead me to that hungry soul. I want a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of Brother Joey. We're going to sing. I want you to sing more about Jesus than you've ever sang about him. As a matter of fact, I've made up my mind. I'm going to preach about him more. You may get so tired of hearing about Jesus that you want to stay home, but I'm coming to make up my mind that that's the answer. It doesn't matter how cute my little sayings are. When it all is said and done, Jesus is the one that makes a difference. He's the one that delivers the soul. He's the one that redeems the mind. He's the answer. He's still the answer to our world's problems. Uh, God has a remedy for this world. God has a remedy for these pressing times that we live in. That remedy is Jesus. Uh, what if every morning this, you get up and say, Jesus, lead me. Lead me to a hungry soul. What if every morning for the next week you got up and said, Lord, lead me in the right way. Help me to, help me to come in contact with the right person today. One person, one woman, one solitary woman sent from Arkansas down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, if God could do that in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, don't you think God could do something like that in a metropolitan area like Houston? <laughs> uh, I'm not making fun of Baton Rouge, but I'm just saying, God, if you're going to showcase something, here's a big city to showcase it in. And it's a wicked place too. Amen. It's a wicked place. But God, let it be in this community. Let something explode in this church. Wouldn't it be so it wouldn't it be wonderful if 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 we had a service that just broke out and it got out in the foyer and out in the in the parking lot. People got out to go leave and they got started getting in their car and they just get a drunk spell coming on or they start what, what would happen if when you got in, the, in line at, at Kroger to check out and the Holy Ghost comes over you and God leads you to somebody there and you pray for them right there on the spot and they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What would happen if something like that took place? Oh, Brother Hughes, we better not. We might offend somebody. You know what? I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. I don't, this world doesn't need a weak, anemic faith. They need somebody that's got a boldness to say, you know what, Jesus still is the only answer. It doesn't come from Buddha. It doesn't come from Confucius. It doesn't come from good living. It doesn't come from good morals. It doesn't come from wealth. It doesn't come from fame. It doesn't come from education. It doesn't come from advantage. The only place you're going to find what you need is at the foot of the cross. Amen. Praise God. We need a baptism of a new vision of Jesus Christ. And when you get that, I'm going to tell you the second thing that's going to happen. You're going to get a fresh grip on faith. 
And when I say faith, I mean assurance, confidence, trust, confidence, boldness. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When you get a fresh vision of Him, there's going to be something that comes over your spirit and you're going to reach out and take hold of faith. You're going to walk in it. You're going to talk in it. You're going to live in it. You're going to move in it. You're going to speak in it. What other way is there to live than by faith? The way the world is living isn't working. Why not live by faith? Why not walk in faith? Out of such hours has come the creative faith that have rocked the world. It was a woman out gathering sticks for her last meal. She had enough meal and enough oil for one more meal. Her and her son were going to eat it and then they were going to die. And pop in steps the prophet and said, I tell you what you do, you go make me that cake first. And here a woman is looking at death, knowing that her end is near. And yet in such desperate times, her faith reached out. It became creative. It became creative. And so she goes in and she prepares this meal and she brings it to the prophet. And she turns knowing that there's nothing left. And the prophet said, now you go turn and you fix you and your son. And when she goes back to the barrel, what did that song say, brother buddy? There was meal in the barrel. There was oil in the cruise. And every time she goes back, there's oil and there's there's supply, there's substance. Why? Because somebody got hold of faith and said, you know what? I think I'm going to believe God. I'm tired of hearing what the naysayers are saying about the world. I don't want to die. I want to live. And she reached out in faith and took hold of the promise of God. And she lived. Uh, What about the woman with the issue of blood that had been sick for so long? And she had spent all her money. And she wasn't any better, but she was worse. But she heard about Jesus. Now, who told her to do this? Come behind him and touch the hem of his garment. Nobody ever done that before. There was no precedent for that. But that's what happens when you get a hold of faith. Faith will make you do some radical stuff. It'll get you off your pew. It'll get you out of your cushy little seat. It'll get you out of your lazy boy. Yeah, it will. When you get hold of faith, what I'm talking about, faith... It'll cause you to get up. It'll cause you to get on your hands and knees if you need to. It, whatever you got to do, if you got to push through a crowd, I don't care what I've got to do. All I know is I need what he can do for me. I need what he can give me. And she pressed her way through until she touched him. Oh, yes. She touched him. What about the four men who came when the house was Filled and there was no way to get their friend into the presence of the Lord. What do we do now? Somebody said, well, we go home. We go to Starbucks. Somebody said, we go to Sonic. Somebody said, no, let's go to Steak and Shake. Somebody said, no, let's go up on the roof. There's got to be a way. 
That's what I'm talking about. Out of such hours of pressure and out of such hours of tragedy has come the creative faith that has rocked the world and out of the desperate faith of men and women have come the wonders of God's grace. And they tore a hole in the roof and they let him down into the very presence of the Lord. Folks, listen to me. This is no time for weak faith. This is no time for weak faith. There is no place for a fragile, delicate faith that is unfit for trouble. What you need to wake up and realize is that what God accomplished, the victory that he won, he said, I have overcome. The word in the Greek says, I have defeated. I have beaten down. I have beaten down the enemy. I have overcome. I have won the victory. And because I have won the victory, I'm going to share my victory with you. So you don't need to be afraid of such time. You need to look up and see me high and lifted up and my train filling the temple. And you need to realize that I am still available. I'm still powerful. I still have the, 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 the things that are needed to remedy the world of its ails and its weaknesses. Amen. We need a faith that's strong and bold and courageous. We don't need to tiptoe through the tulips. Amen. We need to rise up and say, by faith, amen, God has given me resources of which I can overcome. Let's stand together. Folks, listen to me. This is no time to tell men that there's no God. This is no time to tell men that there's no hope for their problems. Jesus is the answer for the world today. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that we have been so close and we have been so near for so long that truth that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. But I'm believing that somewhere in this congregation, somewhere in this church, somebody is going to get a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. They're going to get a fresh revelation of who He is. He's still the answer. And you know what? They're probably going to make some of us feel uncomfortable. They're going to make some of us feel uncomfortable. But we need to be made to feel uncomfortable. Because He is the answer. He's the only answer. Folks, there is no other answer. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the lie. There is no other way. There is no other remedy. There is no other solution. He is the answer. Amen. Say it with me. He is the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer. For the world today, above him there's no one. Jesus is.